0: This episode contains discussions around domestic abuse. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Diora and this is Broccoli Book Club. This is the book club episode. The episode format is split into three sections. We start at the front cover where we talk about our first impressions and expectations. Then we delve into the actual book and finally end at the back where we focus on our reflections and takeaways. This month, we've read and will be discussing Educated by Tara Westover. This will be the only episode this month, so take it in and enjoy. We chose this book not only because it was an instant number one New York Times bestseller and had been translated into 45 different languages, but also because it came highly recommended to me by everyone who has read it. Educated is a coming-of-age memoir about a young girl growing up in a strict Mormon survivalist home. The author takes us through her peculiar upbringing detailing the many accidents, near-death experiences and non-conformist practices dictated by her family. Her father in particular, who has a big influence on her education, or lack of, rejects all forms of Western civilization and academia. And so this means that Tara receives a home education from her mother, who had created her own basic curriculum. Most of Tara's days are spent learning the rhythm of the mountains or participating in child labour in the family's yard alongside her brothers. Against all odds, after receiving a half scholarship at a local college and focusing on her education, she's lucky to find herself at Cambridge University but with time away from her family and a new understanding of the world, Tara has to confront the growing chasm between her old and new self. This book is an incredible example of how education can liberate and empower young women worldwide. Joining me in today's book club are Adele Walton and Renee Richardson. Adele is a writer, an international development student, and an avid book reader. And Rene is the CEO of Broccoli Productions. Now that the intros are done, I wanted to know if Adele and Rene would typically choose to read a book like Educated and what their first impressions were.
1: I wouldn't, just because I really struggle to stay focused with narrative books. I just kind of like cold, hard facts and statistics, so it's nice and clear and it's not difficult to kind of trail off and also I think my imagination is really bad so with these kind of things I can't really picture it in my mind but I do like the fact that it's obviously a true account and a memoir in that way so yeah there was that interest there but personally I wouldn't have chosen it. And
0: what about you Renee?
2: Yeah I had this book on my shelf I bought it in 2019 been there ever (laughs) since. I like to look at what Goodreads recommends so usually when something wins the most read of its category normally means it's an enjoyable read because so many people have read it and not necessarily, you know, readers. So that's why I did buy it.
0: I think just by looking at it, if I walked past it in a bookshop, I just wouldn't have really been that kind of enthralled by the title and we'll get onto that in a second or just yeah, like the the picture just it seems like a memoir. I'm sure it's a lovely read, but I have so many titles on my to read list that it would have just kind of been at the bottom of the pile. But I remember my friend read it and she just couldn't stop talking about it. So then I was like, all right, let me see what this is about. (laughs) I don't really know what cover you guys have, but I just don't think it does it justice. Like, it just seems so plain and brown. I guess on that, what were your expectations from the title and front cover alone?
2: I literally thought nothing. Just looking at it, the title and the picture doesn't mean anything. But actually, the picture does mean something which we'll come into later, which is my theory. But I wouldn't have known that from looking... At the book?
1: I think with memoirs as well they're normally about famous people so you'll see a face that you recognize and that's what's going to sell it to you whereas it's quite rare to read memoirs that aren't from people that already have a platform so I guess that is quite interesting in that way.
0: Let's delve into the book itself. I asked Renee and Adele what their emotions were while reading Tara's gripping story.
1: I felt sympathy and frustration for her because obviously when you're experiencing those things and you're from the family and it must be conflicting to realise that this isn't really doing you any good. A lot of harm is going on within this family, but also... That's all you kind of know. So how do you separate yourself and go against the grain in that way without feeling that sense of guilt and betrayal? So it was really conflicting to read because I don't know what I would have done in that situation.
2: For sure. And Renee, what about you? Yeah, I just was really frustrated. The beginning, you hate the dad. He just hates his children. He doesn't understand what the best is for them. In the middle, it's the brother. Towards the end, it was more just a frustration with Tara, when she was educated and open to the outer world, I was frustrated because she kept going back to the family. But I understand that she is kind of brainwashed and it is an abusive relationship. That's what happens. Being frustrated is a thing to feel when someone keeps going back to the abuse. And Once she got away, especially when she was in England, she was away, yet she still kept going back.
0: I never really considered it like that before. I think just because like, you do feel so sorry for her, don't you as well? And you understand why she goes back. Yeah. Maybe when you read it, you knew that they were never going to change her family. But I felt like, I don't know, every single time, I kind of hope they would. I think maybe I was as naive that they would just kind of be like, oh yeah, we kind of fucked up, you know? Honestly, I'm amazed that she made it out and that she was also able to like get so much education within such a short amount of time. Because like when she goes to university and she doesn't know what the Holocaust is, there's just so little to go off and yet she ends up in Cambridge. What the (laughs) hell? Like that is unbelievable to me. And it just made me think about What can happen when you're given the chance at an education?
2: When she was at Cambridge, I was like, how easy is it to get into Cambridge? (laughs) You clearly don't need to go to school. But I think it's that picture. It's a little blonde girl. And she was a young blonde woman who people want to help. She is the image of someone that you want to protect, that you want to give them a chance. Because at first I was kind of frustrated that she was just rolling through life. educational life. And I'm like, that just wouldn't happen to just someone who wasn't a little, a blonde woman, basically. But then it also then made me think, wow, actually, she's proven that if you do have the support, anything is possible, any level of education. She ended up at Harvard. So that can happen. She did not go to school. She learned things from age 17 onwards. And then she's ended up doing all sorts at the best institutions. But it was because all the people in those institutions wanted to help her. And I think the way she looks played a part in that. I think that's why that picture's on the cover. Obviously, we said, like, the cover didn't mean anything. But actually, when I read the Mm -hmm. book, the
1: cover did mean something.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's really powerful. was so interesting. I didn't
1: think of it that way either. But now you say that kind of having a child on the cover and it being this kind of symbol of innocence and Mm. that kind of being the narrative that follows throughout, even though she does make choices that are harmful towards herself in going back and ignoring people's advice or not taking opportunities of support. Despite that, we still continue to give her the benefit of the doubt. And I think you're totally right. That's definitely because of her privilege in that way.
0: Great commentary and analysis really I didn't think about that so from home births to several car and home accidents what's the most shocking event that you read within this book for me
2: it was what I interpreted as the dad trying to kill them obviously he tried to kill them multiple times (laughs) but I mean the very clear one which was after Y2K didn't happen and they were driving back from Arizona overnight, and he sped up the car and drove them off the ridge. And then they all got out of the car, looked at him, kind of knowing he tried to kill them, but didn't ever talk about it ever again. For me, that was shocking, because I was like, he just tried to kill you all. Really, if you think about it, not his whole life, but his intense extremist life was building up to this abomination. And then imagine it doesn't happen. They were burying guns, they were making this peach peach everything and they had food for 10 years and then 1201 comes and everyone's alive and fine his whole world regardless of whether you believe he's a loon or not his whole world would have lost its complete meaning
0: how the hell did that go over my head (laughs) Adele what about you probably when the dad
1: got third degree burns and he was still refusing to go to the hospital. Like, you would think that something like that would kind of humble you of your stubbornness, but it just didn't. If anything, it made it worse. So I found that crazy, because when you're in physical pain, would you not want the first thing that's going to relieve that pain? And that would be professional help.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just shows how deeply entrenched the family's beliefs were, that even that wouldn't make them go against their beliefs. I think for me, it was towards the end of the book when her brother kills the dog. I just thought, she's next. But do you remember those three common signs of serial killers are starting fires everywhere, wetting the bed after the age of eight, and then killing animals. If you have the capacity to kill an animal, you have the capacity to kill a human. And obviously, like, if she had written the book, I knew she wouldn't die. I was just so scared. There were a lot of cruel and awful things that happened in that book, but I thought that was the closest that I felt like her life was in a lot of danger. It's just so unbelievable. It sounds like the maddest EastEnders plot. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. But I want to know, did you have any favourite quotes or passages from the book?
2: Well, weirdly, and this was when... I was still frustrated with the dad and hadn't got to the middle yet. Mm-hmm. But it was about when she wanted protection and it wasn't coming from her dad. And so it was her brother, Sean, mm-hmm.
0: as we know how the
2: book went. That's ironic. Mm-hmm. So she talks about that person was Sean and I was looking at him, but I wasn't seeing him. I don't know what I saw, what creature I conjured from the violent, compassionate act, but I think it was my father or perhaps my father as I wished he were some longed-for defender, some fanciful champion, one who wouldn't fling me into a storm, if I was hurt, would make me whole again. And that was Sean when he stuck up for her, when her dad was making her climb on all the things with the um, metal sheets, because Sean had protected her at that stage, but then we know how Sean went. And that's on page 114. Yeah, and
0: what about that particularly struck? She had three or four brothers. All she could never tell was how always, many siblings she had. I felt like there
2: was always a new name. And I was like, who's that guy? <laughs> <laughs> and it's a brother who was driving trucks across the land. She had a lot of men in her life, brothers and father. And she was just constantly searching for someone who was rooting for her. And I think she eventually kind of found that in Tyler. Because he got her out. I think that chapter is from when she was like nine or ten. She was just constantly looking for someone to protect her, someone to put her safety first. That's when I was really against the dad.
0: Yeah. I'll read you a passage literally right at the end on page 376. That's my page Um, too. (laughs) No, it's not the same passage, is it? (laughs) She says... I shed my guilt when I accepted my decision on its own terms, without endlessly prosecuting old grievances, without weighing his sins against mine, without thinking of my father at all. I accepted finally that I had made the decision for my own sake because of me, not because of him, because I needed it, not because he deserved it. It was the only way I could love him. And that was about... When she chooses to like cut off her family, including her dad, that resonated with me so much because if you have an estranged family member, you know the pain it is to love them at a distance. To cut someone off is not to hate them, it's actually to still be able to love them. Obviously, she has a very extreme scenario of what could happen to you if you grew up in a family like that but I feel like anyone who has ever experienced any kind of abuse could probably relate to the relationship going back all the time and just hoping that it would get better I was just so proud even though it took a few tries and clearly it was so painful of her to be able to shed that codependency and be like I just need to be able to love them at a distance because they're still my family. You can't cut off your family. That was my (laughs) quote. I'm sorry, Adele, that was was yours.
1: (laughs) It was the exact same one because I could relate it to my mum's experience. So my mum's from a really rural village in Turkey. And when she decided to move to the UK and pursue an education, she's the only one in her family that has gone to university or higher education, when she decided to move to the UK and marry a non-Turkish, non-Muslim man, that kind of set her apart from her own family. And I think she experienced a very similar thing of an immense amount of guilt that you carry into your adult life and your later life. And until you kind of acknowledge that and accept it and then deal with that yourself, you can't forgive and continue to love your family in that way. So forgiveness and, you know, letting go is such a key part to healing those kind of traumas that we go through as children and as young people, I could kind of connect the dots to my own Mm. experience through my own family in that way. And I think that's a really lovely thing to be able to do when you're reading a book.
0: Definitely. And Renee, were there any aspects of Tara's journey that you felt like you could relate to? Um no. <laughs> uh
2: yeah, there <they> was <laughs> <She's so simple. laughs> I was gonna try and be like, yeah, this part. <laughs> there they were, you know, her life was so extreme and just so a hundred, but in every other direction that is completely a hundred miles away from my life. That there was nothing relatable but just her journey I just enjoyed.
0: She wrote in a very relatable way, mm, even though yeah. It was in no way relatable. Yeah. I felt like it was like a friend talking to me about something insane that happened to them, yeah. which was their whole life. But how do you think Tara's relationship with her family changed throughout the book?
1: I think eventually she started to reach a breaking point. And I think that comes with exhaustion and being tired of making excuses for people and kind of seeing like the facade crumble and like fall apart so I think towards the end there was that kind of change despite the fact that she continued to go back I think she was realizing more and more each time that she went back that there is something really harmful here
2: yeah the relationship definitely changed but I think the book ends she still hasn't reconciled yet Mm -hmm. and I think it not that it was written too soon but I would be interested in I don't know educated too 30 years later (laughs) obviously she's an impressionable person Her dad was a key figure in her life and then it became education. But as we know, with anything to do with education, you have to question it. And I don't know if she has that yet because she's only just been introduced to it. So she's reading Mm. it and that's what it is. Just like her dad said, the world is going to end. She's like, "Okay, cool. You know, everyone knows historians. It's their interpretation of what happened. You then have to examine it with what you know. But she doesn't know anything really yet. She has no real life experience. So I would Mm -hmm. like to know the end of how she looks at her family, especially the bipolar stuff. It was definitely her, oh, I've learned about bipolar today. Oh, my dad's got bipolar. And it's like, that's not how, first of all, mental health diagnosis happens. And also she's just learned a new thing and she's done what we do when we go on, you know, Google, you know, the NHS stuff, and you're like, oh my God, I'm dying.
0: And just while we're talking again about her family, what did you make of her dad? Now, do you think he had any bad intentions? Do you feel sorry for him or are you just angry at him the whole time? And what do you think he was so scared of?
1: Yeah, I don't know how I felt about the dad. Like I had conflicting feelings. I did feel pity for him. And I think with people who have these kind of beliefs, we sometimes we shouldn't be so quick to make accusations or undermine them because it is a serious issue for a lot of people in society being brainwashed by these kind of theories and ideas and they're very dangerous so I think we need to kind of have that sense of empathy I guess for people that are affected by these ideas so that we can understand them and then work alongside them to unpack those things and clearly you're right, there was a lot of fear that he had and heal that fear so that he's not making these harmful decisions and putting himself but also other people at risk.
2: Adele has a very mature response because I did not feel any empathy for him. I wanted one of his accidents to take him out (laughs) because I was like, this guy needs to go. And even though I know it's real, I was just like, I hope he goes because I'm like, it's too much. But he actually did remind me of the people today you know, like people who don't want to wear masks because people find it weird now. They're like, but it's for your safety. But if you look at him, he cut seatbelts out of the car. Seatbelts are bad. Well, how are seatbelts bad? He just hated safety. He hate. He, I don't know what his problem was, <laughs> but like it was the government was safe. So he's like, no, no safety. And then he injured every single one of his children quite severely, but he still carried on and himself. So I just wanted him to Gush. go, I'm sorry, he needed to die. He's, you know, he didn't. Okay, he's alive, guys. I Googled.
0: Yeah, I think like when I was reading the book, it just kept making me think about, dangers of radicalization and extremism he is kind of an extreme example of what happens when you have so much fear about something that you just completely cut yourself off through your own fear then inflict that on others you have only one singular narrative and nothing nothing can come in the way of that you know when obviously Y2K didn't happen that was deeply embarrassing for him. Imagine telling your entire family, the only people that can kind of give back that validation, that this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and then it doesn't. It's like your entire belief system is wrong. You know, there was the grandma that was like, you know, they weren't always like this. And it just gave a glimpse of the fact that, you're not born radicalized. You have to have had a lot of things happen to you to basically become that way. At times, it felt like the book was a work of fiction. Did you keep having to remind yourself that it was a memoir? Because I did.
1: Yeah, definitely. And even now, I think remembering back all of these crazy events that happened throughout, I can't really envision it being someone's real life because it's you know not in a documentary sort of format which is the more common way that I would engage with personal stories would be through watching a documentary but yeah I definitely had to keep reminding myself that this is not fiction
2: and I yeah mm. I even was enjoying it like I read a lot of thrillers <laughs> was like, yeah. this is great <laughs> who's gonna live it's written like fiction and that's why I ended up googling
0: to see if it was real what were your thoughts that Tara's dad's burns incident made the family sort of turn into near profits?
2: Well, I Googled a picture of the dad
0: <laughs> after the burns.
2: And if Tara's story is mm. true, the bomb worked wondrously. Yeah, because there's, there's nothing there. I mean, he's no more. There's nothing. He looks normal. He's fine. That's so interesting. So I'm like, if the bomb did this, great, then I want some. yeah like it should be on Amazon it needs to be on Etsy if if the burns were as bad as she says because his face does not look like he had third degree burns
0: do you think she was telling the truth all the way through I
2: think people exaggerate Mm. Mm -hmm. can't help it
1: It sells, drama sells. But when I was reading it, I didn't even question it, which in itself is really problematic. I was just like, yeah, yeah, this is all facts. But, you know, to secure a publishing deal and be able to have this platform to write a book about your journey and your life, it needs to have some really crazy stories and exciting parts that is going to keep
0: people hooked. But yeah, I didn't even question it. So much stuff gets editorialized and narrativized and fictionalized. Like, I do believe her. I do believe her. And I think her narrative is valid, but it doesn't mean that it's the only one there. And I do think there is incredible irony in the fact that we kind of are shocked that she grows up just not questioning anything. And then here we are reading her book, not questioning anything (laughs) and just completely taking it at face value. Yeah, and like, what did you make of her relationships with her brothers? I felt a bit annoyed that Tyler was just gone. Like, I don't know, I just, I I get it, but like, come on. Oh,
1: I liked Tyler. (laughs) The relationships with the brothers, they were obviously conflicted, weren't they? Because I feel like they all had a really strong loyalty to the parents, especially the dad. And obviously that loyalty is rooted in fear of what would happen if you did betray the dad, So it was difficult because it kind of felt like no one would ever step out of line until obviously few of them did move away and finally ended up going their separate way. It just felt like it would be a never ending cycle.
2: But we also say like, you know when she realized Andrea had lived her life before with the abuse of Sean, who's to say Tyler didn't? Tyler did what she should have done, which was you leave and then you're gone. Because why are you popping back into the abuse?
0: Mm. If you had a chance to ask Tara one question, what would it be?
2: I would ask her why she wrote the (laughs) N-word chapter. There was no need for it. And it ruined... It would have been a five star for me. It went down to a four. Because in, I think, what was an eight to 10 page chapter, she used the N-word about 15 to 20 times. And it's so unnecessary... That there's absolutely no way she would read that aloud in an audience with black people. So I'm like, if you wouldn't read what you wrote, don't write it.
1: Mm. So I just ask her, what the hell? That's a really good one. I think I would ask her, how can we, as people who aren't from these sort of communities, who don't have the same shared beliefs, how can we kind of? Intervene, I guess, or uh, I don't like to use the word intervene, but how can we kind of resolve these issues that can become caused by these forms of extremism? Because I think it's important that we engage, but it's really difficult. How do you do that as mainstream society?
0: And also, Renee, just to reflect on what you said, I completely agree. That felt so odd oh, that whole chapter. And I even? I
2: did save um, the par- like the end of the chapter, because. She tries to explain why. (laughs) I could not have articulated this, not as I sweated through the searing afternoons in a forklift. I did not have the language Mm. I have now, but I understood this one fact, that as a thousand times I have been called and laughed, and now I could not laugh. The word and the way Sean said it hadn't changed, only my ears were different. They no longer heard the jingle of a joke in it. What they heard was a signal, a call through time, which was answered with a mounting conviction that never again would I allow myself to be made a foot soldier in a conflict I did not understand.
1: But also in that last sentence, she makes it about herself... Like yeah. she's centering herself as white women, and yeah, being she like, she was upset never, by it. Yeah, I'll never allow myself to be degraded in that way. Is basically what she's saying, which is she's completely missing the point. And that's what I
2: mean by why I would like the book like later once she has reflected, because at the moment she's literally she's like, oh my god, civil rights! Oh my god, it's terrible. Mm. <laughs> so she's just blurbing out these stuff that she just mm. learned. She hasn't absorbed it yet.
0: So. We've thoroughly discussed Educated and have reached the back cover. I asked Adele and Rene what their reflections were and if they've taken anything away from the book.
2: Imagine education was available to everyone and how amazing that would be. So yeah. what can we do to make that happen?
1: Yeah, definitely. I agree making education more accessible is really important. But also I think... I had a takeaway of, although it was very clear that she had massive gaps in her knowledge of history, you know, when she mentioned that she didn't know what the Holocaust was, I kind of related in the way of so many of us who do go to school, a mainstream school and are part of mainstream society, still have massive gaps in our knowledge and uh, understanding. So we shouldn't take a moral superiority See on this and i think we should recognize our own gaps in our knowledge and that's where my kind of love for books specifically non-fiction books personally has come from is just Mm -hmm. wanting to learn more Sure.
0: how many people are there out in the world who don't get to have stories like this so it kind of made me think about the importance of education obviously but not just i guess education in the sense of academia because i think actually some of the biggest learning that takes place is about abuse and the cycle of abuse. So it's amazing that she learns about all these things that happen throughout history. And actually, they're also all related to abuse, right? I guess like on a mass scale of like the... The big events that she learns about. So I think this book is not just about her getting a formal education, but it's her basically getting the experiences outside of her immediate family that start to shape her and make her think, oh, oh, this isn't what I thought it was and I no longer feel safe. And finally, who would you give this book to?
1: I would give it to my mum, just because I think there were some slight similarities to her own experience and I think reading it in that way she might find it quite interesting so yeah I would give it to my mum.
2: I would give it to someone who's a decision maker and a man because people don't invest in things unless they can see themselves unless they it's like you know the damaged bird kind of syndrome where oh look it's cute let me help it So I think this book demonstrates that enough, if I point it out to them first. (laughs) And I'll be like, read this, because actually it shows you how if you guys who make the decisions actually treated everyone equally, good things can happen.
0: (laughs) That's really interesting. I have a really boring answer. I was going to say, oh, give it to someone who is maybe like, I don't know, on the cusp of going down a terrible YouTube Whole of falling into conspiracies. Basically, give it to like a conspiracy theorist or a pre-conspiracy theorist. Thanks to Adele and Renee for contributing to this episode. And thank you for listening to Broccoli Book Club. In next month's book club, we'll be discussing Breathtaking by Rachel Clark. So get reading now and send in your thoughts and comments via voice note to voicenotes at broccolicontent.com. Don't forget to share the podcast and join the conversation using the hashtag BroccoliBookClub. And if you liked what you heard, why not subscribe and leave a review on your favourite podcast app? I've been your host Diora, and you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at the Diora. Broccoli Book Club is produced by Jarja Mohammed, assistant produced by Rory Boyle, executive produced by Rene Richardson, and mixed by Rob Fincham. This is a Broccoli Production.